G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 82 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thanks so much for joining in once again guys. I have Shane Y. Woden with us today. Shane, uh, ex-AFL player, obviously as many of you We'll remember, played for Melbourne, uh, played for Collingwood, won a Brandlow medal. Um, basically, he's ventured into coaching and so forth from there. So we're going to talk about his journey, uh, where sort of life uh, sort of took him, how he sort of got into the AFL system. From memory, he uh, he uh, had to work pretty hard to get on a list. And once he got that opportunity, he really seized it and obviously capitalised um, on that by winning a Brownlow. And uh uh, through shame, we're going to learn a lot about work ethic and, uh, and what hard work can actually do and how that can possibly pay off for us. So I watched Shane through his journey as a young fellow. I was really impressed by the way that he went about it. Um, and just through through that discipline, I think um, you know, there's so much um, to be said with what, what discipline can actually do for our mental well-being if we've got a focus and a goal and a dream uh, for, for something that we want to try and achieve. And I think Shane really got the best out of himself as a footballer, but I think he's also got the best out of himself as a person and he's become a HR manager for a large company now and um, sort of turned to life outside of football, although he's still involved in um, in some form with some coaching as well. So I'm going to talk to him about how he manages that, but also how he manages his own mental health and um, what he does, what he deserved, observed sorry, with the other players and so forth around him on his journey and, and how that's basically changed over the last couple of decades. So... I'm sure you're going to enjoy our chat. Just want to make special mention to our partners, uh, Green Nutritionals, who provide green organic superfoods. So I really encourage you to support them. If you're maybe lacking something in your diet or could do with a boost, uh, uh, their products are amazing. Just uh, jump on the website. It's green nutritionals, uh, sorry, greennutritionals.com.au. Also, Pure Life uh, Sprouted Bakery. So most of us like bread, um, but bread doesn't really like us back. Their bread is, uh, or their grains are sprouted. So when the, the grains are sprouted within a bread, it actually digests a lot better than normal unsprouted breads. And they make a, a wide variety of, um, of products, these guys, and it's available around Australia. So I really encourage you to check them out. Purelifebakery.com.au. Uh, pure All righty, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this uh, chat with Shane and I. Appreciate your feedback and please feel fair to uh, feel free to share it around with others. Shane Y. Woden, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Great to be here. My pleasure. Not a problem at all. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Um, I know you're in WA at the moment and you're getting a bit wet over there by the sounds of it. So uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, making time and, and having a chat to us here. It's, it's really well received. Uh, through, for guys throughout regional Australia, this conversation. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get a lot from our chat uh, and, and many of the listeners will out there to hear about your wonderful journey and all the things around that, mate. So can you give us a bit of an idea about yourself, obviously where you were brought up, uh, sort of how life sort of took you into footy and obviously we'll talk about when you sort of made the AFL as we go along. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm originally from a town called Geraldton, just four and a half hours North of Perth, yep. Um, born and raised there, and my family. We lived there till I was about ten, and heavily involved in junior sport and, in particular, footy. Uh, you know, in early stages of, of my life there, and then um, my family or mum and dad split when I was about six years old, and 
Um, my mum took myself and my sister, along with my stepfather, down to Perth to start a new life. Wasn't really keen on getting into the big smoke uh, so early. I was pretty entrenched in Geraldton and the country life and enjoying um, enjoying that. But obviously with opportunities and uh, a few other things, I, we decided to go. Um, so that was the early stages of it. Uh, and, and Perth was just a new start for me, something completely different. Um, again, new foundations, new schools, new networks, just a new start really, which was probably a bit daunting as a Kid. as a young guy and building networks and friendships, um, mm. but starting all over again. And again, just progressed through junior ranks of footy before I started to play for East Fremantle and growing through the senior ranks there. I remember it, mate. Um, you know, I was, I, I was probably around uh, the early 90s that you got drafted or mid-90s, but... I remember you sort of come onto the scene and uh, you just struck me as someone that was really determined to, uh, to, to, to make a go of it, mate. Um, so what was the breakthrough for you as an individual to be able to sort of get onto a list? Well, I didn't really go the uh, normal pathway as a, a drafted as an 18-year-old. I was drafted as a 20-year-old mature ager. I, I wasn't probably ready physically, um, as some others at 18, so that's probably why my journey took another path and took a couple of years to get into a system. Mm. Um, I, I suppose one thing that I've always prided myself on is, and I've, was ingrained in me from a, a very young age, and I think your parents have a, a big say in it, is yeah, just committed to a cause and have strong work ethic, um, be really big on that, and, mm. and stick the course to, you know, what you want to do and what you want to get out of life or sport or business and and be strong in it and have a higher value. So um, uh, my work ethic and, and training standards, and one thing I just love to always do is train. So whether that's with the team or individually, I didn't have to, it wasn't a grind for me because I just absolutely loved it. Mm. And when you get into a, a team environment, it's probably even easier because you've got actually probably better trainers and better runners and higher, better performing athletes so you can actually really learn off. So. Um, that was my pathway and then Melbourne gave me an opportunity to come to Victoria to train uh, I did that again I only had that two month probably audition window to be able to give myself every opportunity um, and it, at the back end of that they gave me the chance so um, you're sort of indebted to the club for that for giving you the opportunity and you just go and run with it and make the best of it because an AFL window on a list is probably an average of three years and I wasn't there to, I was going to move across the states to have three years, I was going to do make a life of it yeah. um, and try to get at least a minimum of 10 years out. I've got nine and, um, mm. you know, I'm very fortunate to have that. So, oh, just a, uh, I, was, I was overall, I was thrilled with my time, my journey and when I got in there. Who were the, uh, the, the guys that took you under the wing when you went to Melbourne and, and sort of helped you along, coached you and sort of, you know, befriended you, I suppose, to be able to sort of fit into the system? Yeah, uh, well, the resources within AFL Clubland back then, so I started my first year in 97, so resources weren't great internally to what they were now, or probably two years ago before COVID hit, when resources now are probably a bit limited, um, but... Stephen Tingay and Alistair Clarkson were my first two teammates I met when I walked to the door. Mm. Um, but but for me, but for me, Stephen Tingay was very very big 
um, for me, just in terms of training standards, how you work, uh, whether or not it's in rehab or not, um, or what it takes to become a professional footballer. Mm. Um, Todd Viney was my mentor. He was my midfield coach um, in after two or three years after his retirement. So uh, I learned a lot of Todd. Gary Lyon was our um, captain. Jim Steins, um, the love it. So I could go on with how much mm. class and professionalism and experience we had the footy club in that time. So we were very fortunate as young guys to have a blend of experience to be able to um, tap into. Yeah, mate. Uh, oh, just some of those names. Eh? Like, uh, the, the, the love it's there. There are a couple that, uh, that um, you know, you don't think of very often, but just how, how awesome they were, you know. And, um, you know, some of those other guys that were floating around, like, you know, you had presences like Gary Lyon and, and Steins and all that. One thing that would have been for sure is you would have been taught to drink pretty well with those folks fighting about it, would have thought as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's not just on the footy field with your training standards and how you train and how you prepare to become a player and live the life at AFL football. It's also um, the, great, the great experience and uh, they can give you from an off-field and how you grow and develop as a human being and, and become the man that you wanted to. So whether that's just from everyday life to you know, how you want to build and um, look after yourself post-footy career. So... Uh, just a blend of experience. You know, the Phoebes were great. Um, you know, David Neto, I learnt a lot of. He was a year or two older than me, but um, ended up becoming our captain a few years later. But, uh, you know, just another one you could just tap into and um, and learn from. Learn from. That's it. Oh, you, you struck me to have a lot of self-discipline, so you wouldn't have got into the party scene as much as some, some of the other guys possibly. Oh, yeah, it, I, firstly, I, it was certainly a, um, uh, a new learning curve when I, you know, you leave a, a, a small town of Perth, well, not, not small, but um, you get to the, the religious cycle of AFL footy in Victoria. Um, yeah, I was never a heavy partier, you know, you occasionally drink every now and then and enjoy it with your teammates and whatnot and have a, uh, have a couple more at the end of the year, um, mm. but... At the end of the day, you've you've got to be able to prepare yourself week in, week out to get yourself ready for Saturday afternoon or a Friday night or wherever it may be. So, Mm, yeah, you're very limited in what you can do knowing that you're a full-time footballer and um, uh, your performance is what is uh, the most important. Trying to make the most of the opportunity. So so you had those few years where I think you were pretty successful at the start there with making some finals and bits and pieces. So that, that sort of led you to winning the Brownlow. Did that sort of come unexpected? So, yeah, well, the Melbourne Footy Club, when I was first there, but, um, and it probably ended up going even when I was, when I'd left too, the, just a yo-yo effect of the inconsistencies, which we could never put a, a handle on with year in, year out. Mm. Um, you know, but, so it just did alternate. Good year, finals the next year. We wouldn't play finals. Yes, then we would. So, which, which is not great from a footy club. You want to be able to, be representing yourselves in September every year mm. to become a really good club and yeah. give yourself a crack at a flag. Um, um, and yeah, probably I was 24 when I won the medal. Um, yeah, didn't expect it. I had a consistent season. It's not something you go to win at the start of the year. Those little individual honours, those little cherries on the top that come with um, your team's performance and your teammates make you a better player week in, week out. So... 
It's not only yours, it's theirs as well. Um, you're just happy to have the one that gets it around your neck. Yeah, um, I remember, but, you, I remember yeah. watching it uh, and that at the time you seemed so grateful to, uh, to, to have got there, mate. And, um, you know, you really, you really respected uh, what had happened to you. And I guess, um, you know, that, that's something that you can always be proud of. But at the same time, as you said, which is really lovely to hear, that it wasn't just for you, it was for everyone else that uh, supported you to, uh, to get that achievement, I guess, at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The reason why we play a team game is to celebrate the moments and have the mateships with not just the 21 or 22 you run out with, but the entire list and be able to celebrate the successes together and enjoy the moment. And the moment that I've always cherished and what I played for is to be on the dice in the last day of September, everyone having the medal around the neck and holding the cup aloft mm. uh, in that moment. On the G, that's the one you, you cherish and you try to get to. It's the summit, I believe, as a AFL Premiership player. And um, to be able to get there twice is is fantastic. But regretfully, well, I wasn't able to win one. Mm, so, so that was you, you played in two two grand finals. Is that right? Yeah, in 2000 with Melbourne and 03 with the Pies. Unbelievable. I was thinking, like, as, as we were talking then, like 2010 or whatever it was that they won it, but you'd finished by then. So, so 2003, you got beaten by Brisbane, is that right? Uh, I wasn't at uh, 02, they were beaten by Brisbane. I, my first one at Collingwood was 03, the second one. Yep, okay, yep, gotcha. Okay, cool. And um, and obviously, like, what were the, those experiences like? So, do you remember sort of one more fondly than the other? Um, it, I haven't. I haven't watched the games at all. Um, been beaten by ten goals on both occasions. It's not great, but uh, little memories. Not not clear. Um, not clear. You probably have little little moments in the game. You you, you try not to. They were so bad for us on uh, on both occasions. You you sort of just lose it pretty quickly. But uh, the whole week and the lead up and the build up to the time, I probably remember more so the prelim finals than when you. It's a it's a hill to climb to get to a prelim and then to finally win that two hour battle with and go to war against the opposition. To it's a bit of a relief moment to get in. Mm. Then you know you got to prep again to you know climb the mountain again and try and uh, and get to the summit and and win it. But you know they're very hard to get to. Um, you know some teams and players don't ever ever play in finals or uh, even win win them either. So you got to make the most of the moment. And, Hopefully you do, but unfortunately for us at Melbourne, at Collingwood at the time, we, we couldn't get it done. Yeah, you would have had a couple of good mentors. Obviously, Neil Danaher, I think, was coaching Melbourne, and then maybe you had Tony Shaw, is that right? No, I, you know, I had Neil I had Neil Baum, uh, Greg Hutchison, and uh, Neil Danaher at Melbourne. Yeah. And, and I had Danaher for five of the six, five, five of the six years at um, Melbourne, and then when I went to the Pies, I had Mick Malthouse. Right. Okay. How, uh, how was he? Uh, yeah, Mick was uh, Mick was tremendous. Um, a real, very different game styles we had with Melbourne and Pies. Um, very one-on-one type of defensive coach Mick was, um, but a great human. Very much intact with his playing group. Father figure, real mentor, and internally within your four walls, he was um, he was exceptional. He. he he treated you as if, like you're his son. He's harsh but fair. Um, uh, you knew where you stood with Mick, which was honest. 
he was transparent with what he said and um, he was a terrific coach in the uh, that's why he was so successful such a long period of time. Yeah, um, very, very solid individual, I, I, I thought. You know, he was very, very grounded and uh, sort of, you know, assured uh, with what the way he went about it, which was, you know, tremendous to see. And that's what you, I suppose, you need in a leader, I suppose, in a lot of... Uh, in a lot of ways, and um, you know that way, if you've got a strong, a strong uh, guy steering the ship, then the rest can sort of follow that, and hopefully uh, the success will come. Is there any other like coaches or leaders that you've had along your way, either inside and outside of sport, that that have had an impact on you? Oh yeah, I had um, my initial ones. You know, Ian Logan was a, a um, he's a he's a you know, waffle great over here. He, he coached me in my seventeens year, which was. Um, my final year, really community junior footy, and then my, my I had great coaches at East Fremantle before I got drafted. In Kerry coach Tony McCall and Ken Judge, mm, um, the late Ken Judge, who's nowhere with us now, but yeah. they they instill a lot of um, habits and professionalism into your discipline. You know, before you get to the system, yeah. um, and, they, and they ground you that way and. Uh, uh, they only inst- install that in you and, and breed that early in a young age and then you hopefully carry that on to your, your AFL team. Mm, unreal, mate. It's interesting, uh, you know, you would have came and observed uh, or sort of observed a lot of players uh, over the years. Now, you've had a really good grounding to get into that system. There's lots of guys that have come in that have little been, probably been a little bit um, imbalanced. They've got there purely on talent and they've sort of fallen away um, who are some of the guys that you know had some unbelievable talent that just didn't quite make it that you you can think of? Oh, geez, I reckon every club um, would have them. I reckon throughout the journey, and I reckon there'd be a thousand more that didn't ever made it mm. and never got there because you know the talent was there, but talent alone's never enough. Yeah, uh, you you know your work ethic, your standards. Uh, building great habits early stages to be able to install in yourself, to be able to drive you, to get you there. And because, um, you know, and I always was told, and when you get onto an AFL lift, you've only just pushed the door open. Yeah. You, and, and you haven't really stepped foot in yet. You know, once you get in there is when all the hard work really, really starts. Mm. Um, you know, so, you know, when you're 17, 18, you can sort of be free and play the way that you wanted to but when you get into an AFL environment um, it's a completely new ball game with um, strategy defence contest how you play the, the, the game you need to learn um, because it's certainly not an under 18 level and mm. um, there's so many things to be able to pick up with the speed of it you're playing against better players who are obviously more experienced and stronger than you um, so just the willingness to learn and improve and be better day to day and not just be there for the moment is really, really important. Mm. Um, that's why good players like a Sam Walsh, for instance, right now, he's, he's making every day count. Mm. You know, and that's from the... He was a star player when he walked in, but he's still looking to improve and only being better. And, you know, he's just one young kid who's just going to be a, a superstar because you can just see he just works really hard. Yeah, makes a difference, doesn't it? And yeah, that, that self-discipline, um, it can be learned, but usually it's innately sort of in, in, embedded in a, in a guy and that work ethic of just trying to continually improve. And 
you're never sort of uh, perfect with regards to this sort of stuff. There's always something you can do a little bit better and, and all those sorts of things. And, you know, whether you're a footballer or whether you're just a person in modern society, just being able to make those little improvements can be really good for your mental well-being. Is there any, um, any I suppose, um, thing that pops up for you with regards to mental health that you've observed either as a player or as a, as, as a coach that's been quite, wouldn't say confronting, but also, um, you know, challenging uh, for you as an individual. Uh, we talked about guys that, um, that you know, came into a club and they were talented, but they never quite made it, but we never really observed that maybe they had some mental health challenges, you know, 20 years ago, where it's more common now, and they can be actually, um, I suppose, mentored through that. But, uh, you know, you would, have, you would have observed over the years before mental health was discussed as much as what it is now, uh, maybe back in the early 2000s and so forth, you know, guys that had had challenges. Was that something that sort of popped up, you know, in the environments that you were in? Oh, absolutely. Daily. Mm. You know, the, the game the game threw up challenges on or off field daily for players. And you know, it's unfortunate the um, uh, the resources and the, and the assistance wasn't around from a full-time perspective as of what it is today. Mm where, you know, it's probably it's right through not only in AFL footy, but society, um, our, our mental health. So, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the challenges that um, injuries, form, attention, um, scrutiny, uh, whether it's the media, whether it's internally, um, for young men, if they're, if they're not ready for it, it's um, it can be really harsh. Because, mm. uh, you know, some are probably... Again, being gifted, um, you know, had accolades their whole time as a junior. But when you get into the into the system, you're going to get the scrutiny that comes with it and the challenges with um, feedback. Um, you know, and it might not be it might not be what you want to hear all the time, but it's certainly one. It's certainly finding ways to improve and be better from it. Um, I face challenges with form, uh, not necessarily injuries. I was okay. I managed to play through a couple, but you know, particularly I won the year after my Brownlow medal, and the challenges of um, getting extra attention on field and the scrutiny, and not living up to the player I was the year before, mm. um, certainly had the challenges. You know, where things weren't working the way you'd hoped to or want to, but um, how you work through them and uh, who delivers the um, the assistance, who doesn't. Um, mm. you know, players struggle daily with footy and and what it is but I thought that the scrutiny and, and with today now with um, social media it's even worse yeah lots more distractions that's it and, and you're right mate because back in 2001 people might have seen you as being weak if you you know you weren't able to perform the way that you had or you were struggling a little bit but now you can actually be more open and honest about what what's going on with you uh, emotionally and uh, that's sort of where we've come in 20 years but Obviously, that, that year that you mentioned, there would have been times that you actually like felt like you were quite maybe depressed at times, uh, I guess, as well. Yeah, I, I want to, you know, you, you rely heavily on your, internally from your teammates who see your day-to-day, see your mannerisms, how you're conducting yourself. And, and I had some great teammates and who, who always looked out for you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah... I, 
a young fella. We weren't a, an experienced team in 01. We had a younger list with all those superstars gone. Mm. Um, and, and the challenges to be able to lean on some experience weren't there anymore. So how I learned to deal with the tag or, you know, not find the form or the footy that I was doing the year before, yeah, it took its toll on occasions, but, um, you know, yeah, living at home occasionally by yourselves and, uh, you know, dealing with the pressures. What do I need to do tomorrow? How do I get myself out of this? Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's a bit of belief, but it's certainly... Um, it took its toll on, on a number of occasions, but um, yeah, fortunate for me, I had uh, teammates who could see it yeah. and identify it and were willing to help. So that made a big difference. Mm. Oh, absolutely, mate. You know, it's interesting. You know, we're talking 20 years here, and I was I was deep into the workforce at that at that um, stage, and you're working in HR now, which we'll touch on, but. I guess, you know, what changed me as an individual, and it sounds like to me that you were in your mind a lot back then, you're always thinking, but now it's actually being able to sort of wind that back and and practice some meditation so you can allow your mind to settle. And, um, you know, back in 2001, there wouldn't have been too many guys that uh, that were able to uh, access that, I guess. No, absolutely not. Uh, You know, I've learned a lot um, post-footy career, um, and certainly found my challenges. And I reckon the biggest challenge for players now uh, is coming out of the system and transitioning into um, normality, reality, life, mm. and, and what it throws up. So it's a completely different world. You go from a big paycheck to a standard paycheck um, and not maybe have enough qualifications to be able to do something that you want to do outside footy. So mm. I certainly struggled with that. That was a big moment in my life. Um, not only post playing but post coaching as well Um, Mm. just you know because you you put so much into footy when you're playing you forget about the transitioning yeah Uh, you know whether it's study or or work or because you're so full time and invested in being the best player you can be you sort of forget about hang on what what am I going to do for the next 30 years when I finish playing that's Uh, right yeah it's a small window that you get stuck in I guess isn't it it's um it's interesting because you come out of footy and into, into coaching like uh, it's still that AFL level for a while with Brisbane, is that right? Is there another club there or just, just the one? Yeah, just the one AFL, but I'd coached East Fremantle here when I retired from Waffle Footy after playing. Yeah. Um, so I coached my own team here first and then uh, and then Michael Voss gave me a call to come over to Brisbane and, uh, and coach there for the six years, which I thoroughly enjoyed and learned a lot mm. um, with my coaching. Um, but yeah, it's again you now transitioning when that all ended five years ago. You know, mm. what, what do you want to do? So yeah, because I had no qualifications in playing, I sort of like because footy was my love and it's my passion. I just wanted to stay involved in it, and that's what probably thrusted me into coaching. But um, you know, I still had to keep looking as because it could end up finishing within a year or two or four or five, where it may be. Um, mm. But uh, for me, I. That's the pathway I wanted to take, whereas now it's a completely different idea altogether. So, so mate, it's interesting to see what you're doing. So you've come out of all this, but now you're a HR manager for an organisation which is managing men, I suppose, and managing people. How how's that transition been for you? Oh, it's been wonderful. Uh, you know, a lot of the skills we learn as people um, within our industry of football, whether it's playing or coach, 
and particularly coaching because it's probably more a job um, where you're, you're, you're educating and whatnot rather than just playing. Um, all those skills you learn are so transferable mm. in, into, into business today. Yeah. Um, and, and some people in, in the corporate world see that, some don't, and that's probably where some guys haven't been given opportunities than others do um, or trying to find. But, uh, yeah, so I'm a yeah, head of people and culture at a company over here and transferring everything I've learned over the journey through leadership, management, um, in the, with my coaching, and putting that into the business world now. And again, because it's all about people yeah. and dealing with people and working with them and how do you do it? and building connections. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And I'm loving it. I really am now just enjoying the transition of, um, of the business life and doing something completely different. I'm still passionate about it. And, again, I get to work with great people every day. Mm, that's, mate, and that, that's a real story in itself, like being able to, yeah, be, be acknowledged for what you've been able to do as a leader, but also to be able to take that into an environment where you're dealing with new people that aren't sports people, that aren't, you know, of, of similar interests. All these people in the organisation have got, you know, different interests, they're from all cultures, they're from all walks of life, and be able to, you know, sort of manage them uh, and manage their, their mental health in the workplace, which can be quite challenging at times and you know, obviously, uh, we talked about how that's changed over the last sort of, you know, 20 and beyond years. Like, what do you find in the workplace now sort of comes up with regards to, to uh, common issues with, with employees? Is, is it pretty stable or is there things that pop up, you know, reasonably reg- regularly? Oh, it, it, there's different challenges, again, thrown up with all your people. Um, you know, but what I find really important is I've got to stay connected with these people so I understand and know what's happening all the time. And there's going to be moments where not everything is going to be personal and that you want to know, but just making sure you get a, a good vibe and a good feel of the environment and make sure um, we empower our staff to enjoy their role, be flexible in their role, they've got autonomy in their role. Um, there's still the business side of things that they've got to be able to uh, be task-orientated and get things done. Mm. Um, but to make sure that we have those programs in place, uh, which you know we're building now into the environment where you know we can look after our people too, um, yeah. and make sure you know whether it's a reward and recognition, whether or not it's their well-being, um, but just making sure that these things are in place. But most importantly, we stay connected with them so they have the the confidence to be able to chat if need to, um, and make sure it's a, a safe and a happy environment that they feel comfortable to be able to voice anything or feel comfortable to come and talk about something as well. Agree. That the key word there, mate, being safe, you know, psychologically safe as well as, you know, physically safe is uh, so important. And, uh, you know, that, that's the challenge for, for a lot of workplaces is to be able to create a culture. You know, I believe heart-based leadership is, is the way to go. If you can be genuinely interested in your people and connected with your people, then the performance really takes care of itself because... The, 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 the staff, you know, want to be there. They, they feel cared for and they feel like they are part of something. And I guess, you know, it's the same as a footy club or, or a team environment in general. If you can show them that they're, that they're uh, I suppose, appreciated is, uh, is such an important thing. And there's so many workplaces that don't do that still, unfortunately, you know. But, um, 
you know, through what you've done uh, on the footy field and off the footy field, to be able to bring that into a, a workplace culture, I think is, um, you know, really tremendous, mate. So you, you, your whole journey has led, to, led you to where you are now, and it's not only you that's going to benefit, there's so many others around you. So you should be really proud of yourself for that. No, thank you very much. I've got great people around me with my family as well, and, you know, and the company as well with our managing director, and Greg Devine. He... he your your business as well has got to be able to be able to take that on as well and feel very encouraged to be able to keep driving that. So you know our our directors and our our, our bosses who manage the place, you know what their decisions they make to look after their people. And I've got a role to play, but if it doesn't come from above, mm. it makes it really really difficult too. So. Um, uh, and one of our key values within your organisations around family and how important that is, not just your immediate family, but you, you see yourselves as a business, as a family, and how you work together and what you do. Yeah, yeah you have your difficulties and your, um, uh, your, your harder conversations at times, but we're not making it personal. We're just a business, but um, if we can care and look after each other, well, then things start to grow and you, you flourish within your organisation as well. Absolutely. That, that's all an individual wants. You know, they, they want to be appreciated and cared for and, and feel safe, you know, and if you can get those three things right, then, you know, you've got, you've got a recipe for success, I reckon, Shane. So, mates, I uh, really appreciate the chat and, um, yeah, look, wish you all the best with uh, with uh, the, the, the bit of coaching you're doing at the moment. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of you with regards to uh, your ventures into football i think there's still some uh, some plenty of good things to come so thank you uh my absolute pleasure anytime it's great chatting guys thanks so much for listening in uh yes yeah, shane really generous guy and um yeah certainly he's had a great career you know as i sort of said that the work ethic that he had uh just to keep trying to get the best out of himself and when he was down, being able to pick himself up and keep continuing on, and um, as, I, as I mentioned, you know, taking him through football, but also taking him into a really great role where he's helping others now. So, hope you uh, enjoyed that. Um, if you'd like to reach out for me, appreciate your feedback. Uh, support at backmind.com.au, touch base anytime. Uh, check out the website at backmind.com.au. Please feel free to uh, share the podcast with others, and um, yeah, hopefully it's helping a few of you guys out there. So, appreciate it. Some more good, uh, good, good guests coming on over the next few days. So keep tuning in. Thank you. Cheers.